Welcome to the Breaking Down the Bytes podcast. Interested in the IT field and looking for a way to break in? Are you a college student or looking for a career change? The IT industry is booming and has tons of opportunity. It's vast, complex, and can be overwhelming, but we can help. Come along as we break down some of the barriers as your insider to the tech industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's edition of Breaking Down the Bytes. As usual, I am your host, Pat. You can find me on Twitter, Layer8Packet. That's the number eight. Kyle, you're on Twitter, too, at Daneth256. Alex, you're not a social media guy, so we're going to skip right on past you for this part. It's all good. That's right. Find the show on Twitter at Breaking Bites Pod. We are pretty active on Twitter, where we try to be. So come say hello. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe to your platform of choice. We are back. We took a little couple of weeks off for the holiday to rejuvenate, to get the juices flowing and rest our weary bodies. But we are back behind the mic and back with a new episode this week. The boys are back. All three musketeers are here this week. That's all good. We don't have a mishmash of, you know, two out of the three. So we are back. Kyle, what's up, man? How you doing? Everybody Uh, good? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. You know, digging this weather. 55 degrees in January. Yeah, I'll take it. No snow here in Pennsylvania just yet, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there is time. You know, I feel like some days in Pennsylvania, we go through all four seasons in like a day. (laughs) What are you doing? This is insanity. (laughs) Anyway, Alex, you're here too. What's up, man? You're on the left coast, hanging out in California. How was your holiday? Southern Everybody California. Good? Southern California, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I won't bring up the weather. It's safe to say. <laughs> It'll be in the 60s or 70s, sunny. Damn it. So, yeah, I bet you don't miss the yeah. Pennsylvania weather. No, I sent pictures to a couple friends on Christmas of my boys in the pool on Christmas Day because it was 83 <laughs> degrees here. That's awesome. And it was like record colds in the Northeast. That's That was the yeah. day that everyone had single digits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was pretty fun. Yeah. Here in PA, like in that stretch over Christmas when I got down to eight degrees, oh. it was brutal. Mm. Yeah, it was brutal. So yeah, yeah. the holidays weren't too bad. It was in my 35 years, it was the first Christmas not seeing my mother. So that was a little different. Oh. Because even though I moved to California a year and a half ago, I went to Pennsylvania for Christmas. Ah. So, but I felt bad because my dad moved out here with us to California shortly after we moved. Yeah. And so he was, he pretty much moved out here. I think it was like the first week of November. And then we left, you know, a month and a half later to go to Pennsylvania for Christmas break. So he didn't have anyone here in California. So, but so this year you got to have Christmas with us. That's good. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Right on. We are back this week. We kind of hemmed and hawed about topics and whatnot, but we are talking interviews. So we're talking interview tips and then what to look out for, how to nail that interview, if you will. And then first, we're going to talk about some of our best and worst interview experiences that we've all had and kind of, you know, some were great, some were not so great and just kind of see what uh, where that lands us and kind of go from there. But yeah, interviews this week and yeah, if you're looking for one, I figured, you know, it's a good time to do it. You know, new year, maybe a fresh start and a new gig somewhere so we're uh, we're coming through on the interview style so here we go so i don't know alex you want to kick this one off with no no you want to do a best one first they would do it can any of us think of a best one right off the top of our heads it seems like it's easier to say <laughs> yeah what the worst are mm-hmm. right yeah I, we've all had some pretty bad ones right i mean i can run with that one if you want yeah, go for it because my best one a was one? the most recent one yeah uh, at kutztown university yeah i went in had lots of questions, really engaged with the team, trying to figure out everything was going on. And actually, I still get compliments today about how well I interviewed and the questions that I asked. And like, like most people didn't even care. They didn't ask any questions. They didn't do, you know, like right. any homework. They just kind of were like, yeah, here for a job, you know, like, right. So, I mean, that, that turned out to be really awesome. And it was great to kind of hear some feedback too, because, you know, you never really get a lot of feedback on job interviews and stuff like sure. that. You either you're like, mm. Hey, we went a different direction, you know, thanks. You get that yeah. email and you're well, uh, or you get the job. So that was definitely 
you know, the best one. The team was great, even during the interviews and everything like that. The questions were good. The way that they kind of went around the room and stuff was super cool. Yeah. So were you interviewed by like a panel then, Kyle, or how many people were in the room? Um, so there were three other guys. There was my, who is my boss now. Mm-hmm. There was one of the server administrators and there was our security admin. Okay. So they all asked me a little bit of different questions about my background, different things that I'd done, you know, that were on my resume and stuff like that. And, you know, then peppered in some tech questions and stuff like that. Nice. I can get behind that. Yeah. So was there anything specific about people that were interviewing that made it a good interview or you just feel like they could have pulled anybody from Kutztown University and it's just the way they organize their interview that made it good? I want to say like everybody was super, super friendly, you know, so that was nice too. all within, you know, technical background and stuff like that. So they didn't just pull somebody, you know, that was like could fill a seat and just ask questions. So, you know, that kind of, I guess, is nice too, because, you know, they have a little bit of a BS detector built in because they, they know the tech <laughs> stuff. So that was cool. You know, everybody was super friendly and inviting and stuff like that too. So that that kind of made it nice. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on any of those interviews where it's just kind of cold and you're like, eh. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you get any questions that really didn't pertain to the job at all or weren't even technical they were just trying to get you know you a little bit better no everything was it was pretty much you know just basic questions like you know how would you handle this situation that situation yeah as far as that kind of troubleshooting standpoint but most of it was all just technical stuff then and then it was just like well do you have any questions for us and you know i was like actually i do you know i prepared (laughs) so then I kind of, you know, shot some questions back and yeah, it worked out really great. Yeah. Imagine like Kyle's like, yeah, I got questions. And he like, he gets out of a p- piece of paper and like rolls onto the floor. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like seven feet long and it just keeps going. And they're like, oh my God, I have lunch in a half hour. I'm not going to be able to get through this. This is terrible. Uh, yeah. That's it awesome. was kind of memorable too, because it actually ended up being a snow day. So uh, I was supposed to go there, but the university was closed oh, and so they actually remote then they did everything on zoom, you know, nice. they're like, well, we're supposed to get a whole bunch of snow and you're like coming from the Lehigh Valley all the way out here. Yeah. We'll just do it on zoom. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. Alex, you got one you got a favorite one. I mean, I want to say that all the interviews that I had that were decent, they weren't overly memorable. I mean, mm. not to say anything against Disney, I thought that was a good interview, but nothing really stood out as to why it was a good interview. I think if I had to say anything, I just thought the questions were good. Hmm. As a manager, I had to do interviews in my previous jobs, give interviews, and I noticed a lot of questions that I asked people were the same questions that were asked of me. Mm-hmm. So that in that sense, I thought the interview was good because in my head, I'm thinking, well, these are the types of questions I would ask. Nice. So, yeah. That's good. So not only am I prepared for those answers, which always makes you feel good, but then I kind of feel like, hey, we're on the same same wavelength. These are the things that we find are important. Yeah. So yeah, nothing else that made it great. Evolve IP was the first time that I had an interview where I was taken out to dinner as a follow-up. Wow. That was yeah. kind of neat. <laughs> and so I thought, I, and it was all in... This has changed quite a bit. I don't know if that's just because I've worked for bigger companies the last few companies or maybe it's just change of times. But prior to Evolve IP, I was really accustomed to like the one and done interview. You do an interview and either you got it or you didn't. So I think Evolve IP was the first time that there was the follow-up interview. And the follow-up interview in this case was dinner, which maybe really wasn't even a follow-up interview. It was kind of set in stone at that point. But I thought that was neat to sit down with the VPs and have a dinner on their dime and kind of makes you feel like you're a bit important. Mm -hmm. You know, they are, yeah, it's like, wow, they want to take the time to get to know me as a person because we didn't talk about the role at all, you know, for the two, three hours that we're out at dinner. So, yeah, that stuck with me and I thought that was fun. Yeah, it's interesting. For those of you keeping score at home, I did not get wine to dine and evolve IP. That was not on the cards, on the bingo card for that one. But now I would say that's probably one of my better interviews as well. 
evolve. It was a small team you know, that I was a part of at the time. The boss was really cool. He was open. He was a hands-on boss. He knew what he was doing. You know, and he basically was the team. He was that department before he built the team out, you know, people underneath him. I kind of think so. he really knew his technical stuff. And I learned a lot from him from, you know, from just you know, different, you know, walks of life, trait, tricks of the trait, things of that nature. He was really a, and that was like first, I don't want to say first IT job. I've had previous ones before that, but that, I feel like that one was really where the ladder. That was the big stepping stone. Yeah, that was the big yeah. one. That was the one that really like catapulted career and the, you know kind of sprung me up the ladder quite quick right. so it's like uh, hey, i'm an engineer now yeah it was one of those like you almost feel like you belong right it's one of those kind of deals and it was really yeah it was really good and yep. yeah, alex I can yeah, understand that we worked hard All play right. hard well i guess now the fun part <laughs> yeah the fun part the bad ones who wants to go first well you probably have more practice than anybody in this room <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. No. One really comes to mind, and I won't name any names. Um, yes, let's not name names. No naming <laughs> names. Funny story. One of one of their offices is right across the parking lot from where I work now. Literally, it's the next building over. But anyway, they had a they had an opening for a network engineer at the time, and this was relatively recent. I want to say within the last three four years, and they, I don't know, they. I got on a call with my would-be boss. Well, for, first of all, I made it past the HR screening. The lady, I forget her name. She basically forwarded my information on. And this was during the COVID era, so it was all remote. So I got on a Zoom call with my would-be boss and a VP at the time. And it just, it didn't jive, like, right from the start. Like, it just felt weird. It felt stuffy. There was no, like, there was no personality to the interview, if you know what I mean. Like, it's just a, you know, just a question and uh, felt like a business transaction, but it was, it should be more than that, right? It should have at least some sort of lifeblood to them. This one didn't, it was just kind of stuffy and, and I was trying to make small talk and it just wasn't happening. And I mean, personally, I think my personality is kind of, you know, you know, out there and, and try to, you know, I'm easy to talk to and whatever. This guy, the person was just like, meh, whatever. And then, so, so and the worst part about it is, I literally spent 20 minutes on that call with the my boss and, her, and the VP just rereading my resume. It's like they didn't even read it at all. I was just like, all right, what's going on? This <laughs> is just, whatever. It's just a waste of time. So got through the whole thing and they were like, yeah, do you have any questions for us? And I did. I struck a nerve with question. I knew at that point, I knew this wasn't where So I was like, oh, just whatever. So <laughs> at the time, they were not doing so well financially due to the COVID things. And, and it's not like it was a secret. It was in, you know, it was in papers in our area and whatnot. So it's not like I got some third hand information and was spewing it out. So they were going through some hardships and some money issues and this and that. And I basically said, look, I said, I don't want to be, you know, you guys are, you know, quote unquote, bleeding money. And, you know, if you guys go up for sale or, you know, somebody else buys you out, whatever. I was like, I don't want to be last one hired, first one fired. That's generally how it goes, right? And so I don't want that to happen. And they like they took like monster offense to that. They were like, "Oh, that never happens. We do it on merit." And blah 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 blah. And I was just like, "Okay, whatever." Blah blah. And they're like, "Well, you know, we're not actually looking for we're not actually looking for a buyout. We're looking for a partner." Blah blah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, "All right, a partnership actually means two companies bringing something of value to the table. Like, literally, you're just bringing debt to the table." Like. So, you know, that kind of thing. So it was just a weird interview. Like, they didn't really seem interested to have me. Like, they were just kind of going through the motions, this, that, and the next. And it was just a very awkward thing. And then, you know, questions that I had for them, they weren't really, I don't think they were really prepared for. They were just kind of expecting someone to just kind of roll over and say, okay, no, I'm good. Thanks. Have a nice day. And I didn't. And I think I caught them off guard and that didn't bode too well for me either. So that was a bad one. And the other one, I don't want to say it was bad. But it was, I sh- like looking back at it now, I sh- that should have been a red flag for me. This one was in person. This was before the COVID days. This one was in person. And I went into the interview, met with my boss. And, you know, it was a nice conversation, you know, that sort of thing. And then but what really struck me is what they kept looking at their watch, like every couple of minutes. So, like, 
they had an Apple Watch on, so I'm assuming they were looking at emails into their watch. <laughs> it's like, mm. Okay, like I'm literally sitting at a round table from you, like less than two feet away. <laughs> like, so it's super noticeable that I'm watching you look at your watch, stare, you know, look, glance at your watch every like 30 seconds to a minute. Like, am I tying you up? Am I holding you up? Like, is there something else you'd rather be doing? Because you know, I didn't think much of it at the time, but now looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of a red flag. I should have known better. Yeah, that kind of deal. <laughs> it is what it is. You just you learn from different experiences and people have different interview styles and you know, meet people from all walks of life and how they do things. And yeah, you, know, you just chalk it up to for the next interview, making sure that you see some things coming or how to handle them next time. So those are my two quote unquote bad ones, put it that way. Well, I guess I'll have two that I'll talk about also. And then I have some questions for you guys based on those. Oh, man. And I know we said we won't name names, but in this case, I will. Oh, <laughs> We're not big enough that, that's ever going to get on their radar, right? <laughs> the first one was Facebook or Meta. I'll talk about them. And I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I feel like anyone who goes into an interview, if you're the interviewer, like you're interviewing somebody, that you should feel like it's a two-way street. Obviously, you're interviewing a candidate because you want someone on the team, but you should also think about it the other way around as the candidate has a legitimate interest in this. It's a lot of their time. So you both should get something out of us. So with Facebook, the reason that I didn't care for that interview is it's a multiple interview process, which is fine. And you know, there's a management role, so that just comes with the territory. But... What disappointed me about this role, and I think it's a, a meta just standard for the most part, is you don't speak to people that are going to be on your team. It's really common for them to just interview you and then find a place to put you in, which is odd. That's just how many open roles they had at the point at that point. But I think that it's not. A great situation because one of the things if I'm interviewing that I'm really interested in is I want to know who I'm going to work with. Sure. I mean, you yeah. can, on paper, you can have the best job, you know, something that just fits you to a T, but I want to know the five to six people that I'm going to be spending the next maybe decade of my life, 40 hours a week spending time with. And I just did not care for that. So I was talking to engineers who were not even network engineers. And again, this is for a network engineering manager role. So I'm speaking to engineers that aren't even network engineers. And then I'm speaking to a manager who was some type of network engineering thing, but he wouldn't, he wasn't my hiring manager. So again, I can't, I don't have any FaceTime with whoever I'm going to work with. And in my case, who's going to work for me and who I'm going to work for. And that really kind of struck a nerve with me. It just feels like you'd be going into it a little bit blind at this point. I feel like they get all the information they feel like they need because they have their setup the way they need to and hashing out and asking all the questions they need. But yeah, I'm kind of left in the dark because a lot of the questions that I ask when I'm interviewing, you can't answer unless you're on the team. Like I really am kind of curious what they... Like someone who's going to end up reporting to me, one of the questions I like asking right off the bat is what they like least about the job. Yeah, and I can't really ask questions like And for the person who's going to be my boss, who I'm going to report to, I, ask, I like asking similar questions. I like to get their thoughts on what they'd like to see accomplished. So say I'm at the company six months. What do you want to see happen in the next six months? You can't really get those answers from anybody person that is going to be your boss. So yeah, wasn't a huge fan of that. And then the other one was Amazon. And anyone who's done an Amazon interview is going to know what I mean. The loop, I think, is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope this doesn't end up biting me someday if I want to apply for Amazon again. But after your, your initial interview, it's such a long interview process. I think you have an initial interview with a recruiter, which is pretty straightforward. That's not bad. Then you have a an interview with, oh, I forget what they call them. Pushers or something like, you know, another name for someone, one of their better employees. Again, not someone that's going to 
you're going to work with or is your hiring manager, but just someone who's a, who they deem is an exceptional employee interview. Then after that, you have the loop, which is a six to eight hour interview where you have to, you have multiple sessions with multiple people throughout the entire day. So when I did mine, I had, again, an interview with a recruiter, interview with one of these exceptional employees. Then I think the whole thing was seven hours with a lunch in the middle. You get a lunch break. They schedule you a lunch break. And each interview was, yeah, just different people and not always one person. Like one will be two people that are doing it at the same time. And then it'll be a single person, another two people, and then another person. And I'm not sure if it was just with me, but I, it's probably the case. You end up speaking to someone in HR and they asked the questions that maybe I should appreciate more as a manager, but I really don't. And I think part of the reason I don't care for these questions, these types of behavioral questions is I don't want to say they give you the answers for them, but the recruitment process for Amazon is so odd that the recruiter who's working with, and this isn't just me because I interviewed with them twice in two different situations. And I've talked to people who work there and have had interviews, but they really almost coach you in how they want you to answer the question, which seems very counterintuitive to me. Mm-hmm. If, you, if they, It's almost like you're just seeing who can study the most and who can pass the test. I don't know. Deal. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to, I want, I feel like you're not going to get anyone who's genuine in these because they don't, it's almost like they don't want you to be genuine. They right. want you to say, this is how I want you to structure your answer. Right. And I feel like when you do that, what you end up getting is scripted answers, which is almost what they want. Sure. Or you get answers or you get questions, you get answers to questions that aren't anywhere close to what they want. Right. Right. Um, by the way, yeah, not a huge fan of the Amazon loop interview. <laughs> To say the least. Six to eight hours. I'm sure I'm not. Yeah, right. do anything for six to eight hours. It seems like, are they doing that? Are they really gaining that much from this? Or are they trying to weed out people who are serious? I don't know. But, um, and maybe it worked out well for me. But this, this latest time where, you know, I was laid off at PlayStation. I was looking around. Of course, Amazon always has roles. So I reached out to the recruiter that I worked with previously when I ended up choosing the PlayStation role. And they were already happy with me for the previous time that I interviewed. And she told me that she doesn't think I would have to do another loop interview because this is, I don't it was only a PlayStation seven months before I was laid off. So she said, how about we just have you speak to your hiring manager? And I had a great interview with a hiring manager at Amazon. I was feeling good about it. And I saw uh, he responded back saying, we'd like to move forward, Alex. And then like a week later, the recruiter gets back to me and says that we're actually going to have to do a, another loop interview. I said, I just did one seven Mm. months ago. Have I really changed that much? Mm. And it's one of those things where I would have done it if I had nothing else lined up. But at this point, I already had an offer from Disney. Right. No, I'm not doing it. Nope. I'll just take the offer from Disney. I'm not going to make them sit and then. Yeah. Potentially lose it or whatever. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. That's that's crazy. Do you have a bad one, Kyle? Not necessarily bad. I'm sure it's the, uh, there's probably some reason or formula or, you know, somebody that's way smarter than me has decided that this is how you interview people. But, you know, when it comes to some of those really obscure, like problem solving questions and stuff like, you know, how would you tie your shoe with one hand, you know, turn around and explain it to me kind of deal like that. I, I had weird yeah. things like that where it's like, you're like, well, you kind of loop it, you know, <laughs> like, but other than that, I mean, you know, I worked at the same place for so long. I really never had all that many interviews. Yeah, that's gotcha. true. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's true. Kyle's a homebody. Yeah. <laughs> I was just hanging out. I didn't know what I was missing out here in That's the it. world. <laughs> Kyle and I went to school together, and then he just basically moved upstairs to the actual help desk and never left. <laughs> that was it. He's like, I'm just going to hang here and hope somebody gives me something to work on. That's that, it. That's what happened. 
He's like, oh, yeah, you over there. You look like you belong. Can you go yeah. fix this printer? And he's like, okay, sure. I just stayed there, and then they started giving me a paycheck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he and just morphed. The glitch, yeah. He just morphed yeah, right. his name on onto the payroll. Yeah. Like, oh. Uh-huh. Yep. I hear you. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, like I said, some of the gatekeeping. I think we'll kind of touch on this now a little bit, but some of the gatekeeping that goes on in this industry, and I'm sure other industries as well, I don't know if that's by design to kind of weigh out the, or I should say weed out the mentally weak or whatever, like, you know, that kind of thing, or what the deal is. But there is just some massive, some massive issues. Personally, I think the hiring process across the board is broken and in severe, you know, severe ways, if you will. So, um, you know, like you kind of talk to the HR person first as sort of like a gatekeeper to make sure you're not like a serial killer or anything like that. And then she passes you on, you know, that sort of thing. But like as technical people, and I'm speaking for my for myself, I have a technical mind. So when somebody wants to interview me about a technical role, I'm going to talk technical. But then when you first get on with the HR lady, she or man, she is not technical. She, he or she is not technical. So you have to kind of learn how to speak in that language. So your your conversation with them rises to the top and it's good enough for them to forward you on, you know, sort of thing. So, I mean, I get why they do it. I'm not a huge fan of it. And I'm also not a huge fan of like Alex, I, you know, maybe I understand a little bit more in your area, but, you know, because you're working for the big tech and a couple of those at the top of the charts. But like these companies that have like, six eight rounds of interviews you're like what yeah. like it's just what are we doing like it's just, it's awful like i could see maybe three like first with hr then with your boss and then with the team and then maybe mm-hmm. another like three four max like three is even pushing it you know that kind of thing but these companies that have like six eight rounds of interviews is like what like what is going on here like if you can't pick an actual candidate by round three like this isn't for you like <laughs> like maybe you shouldn't be interviewing people it's just it's insanity how many rounds they go on and like you said people are mo- interviewing for multiple positions so like there's a juggling act that needs to happen so like you may like this job better but they're putting you m- through more hoops but you have an offer from someone else and things move so fast that offer is only good for so long and then keep people waiting on the shelf that offer ain't going to go. I mean, that offer is not going to be there. I don't know. Yeah, any no, thoughts yeah, on that, sure. Alex? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because, like you said, I come across it. Offers, I think most of the offers I have say, you know, you got 48 hours to accept this. Yeah. And if you don't, you're asking for an extension. If you're asking, she you started asking for an extension, not only do they not have to grant it, I think in some ways they're starting to, you know, worry about your commitment to the company. Do you really want to work with us? If sure. you want to, if you're keeping your uh, options open. Yeah. And I know that's kind of a tricky situation to maneuver through. Yeah. I think what you said three makes sense. So talking about that, I mean, what's the most that you've ever had to do? I probably say the majority of my interviews have been three, three, right. In that order, right. HR or some sort of screen person to make sure I'm a real person and not, you know, some, chat gpt bot or whatever <laughs> uh the second interview is with the hiring manager you know what my would-be manager and then third is usually with the team or at least you know maybe one or two other people from the team depending on how big the team is that that's probably it and then they'll you know they usually say yeah or nay you know based off of that so i would probably say three is the sweet spot where most of mine have been but you know some have only been at one and then the first one's with the hiring manager and that's it right out of the gate right. yeah or nay most of them are three. That's probably the sweet spot. Now, if you're counting the Amazon Loop interview as one, because it's one schedule, just right. six hours long. If you don't count that as one, then that's the most. But PlayStation was a lot. That was recruiter, hiring manager, panel one, <laughs> which three or four engineers, people that would report to me. Yeah. Panel two, senior engineers that would report to me. Follow-up interview with my hiring manager. Then it was an interview with a colleague, so another manager. Then it was my boss's boss. 
Wow. So I don't know how many that was. I wasn't counting. But there, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. I think that's six, six or seven. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's sounds crazy. Right. Yeah, the other red flag, too, that I come across quite a bit is if you're just looking purely at the job descriptions or the responsibilities of the role, you know, five to seven, maybe eight bullets are reasonable, you know, bullet points, that kind of thing. Anything more than eight, eight to 12, eight to 13 is probably pushing it. Anything after like 12 or 13 is just crazy. And it's just like, okay, you know, if you're going to list something with 23 responsibilities, like, first of all, how is one person supposed to manage all that? And right. two, you know, on one salary, nonetheless, you know, that, that sort of thing. So you almost have to come into that with different eyes and say, okay, what are they trying to get away with as far as, you know, from a company you know, perspective? And they're trying to put things on one person when really there should be a whole IT team doing those things. And then obviously, you know, from the money factor, they're trying to get away with as much as they can for as little as they can. So, you know, greed comes into it and you know, all that kind of thing. So, like I said, I think, you know, is probably the sweet spot as far as responsibilities on the actual job description. 12, you're kind of pushing it. Anything more than 12, it's like you need multiple people for that because it's just unrealistic. And I think that's a that's a big one too because I think I see a long laundry list and it's like, okay, like chop this in half and maybe we'll talk. You know, that can- <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah, I guess uh, up to this point, we were just talking about the interview's perspective. So nailing the interview could be the other way around, which is kind of what you're talking about now. Yep. If you're the one yep. actually giving the interviews, it kind of starts with you want to get the right candidates to the interview. I think you got to be a bit more realistic on your job description. One of the things that I've done in the last few jobs that I had where I was looking for employees is I gave several skill sets. So maybe 12 to 15. And I said, you need to be expert level or something, or depending on the whether it was senior or not, or I would say you need to have experience in at least five. Of, oh, nice. Pick the five. So I don't care. I realized that. So in this case, sure. If you come with somebody comes to the table with all 15 of those, okay, sure. But I don't want to, f- I don't want good candidates to be discouraged because they may never have done anything with technology XYZ, but they're, you know, they're just incredible at the other five. And based on just a conversation or two or maybe their work history you can kind of feel pretty confident that they can pick things up pretty quickly for anyone who's doing interviews if you're also responsible for job descriptions doing that make it very obvious because i think most of them if they list 15 skill sets the wording will say you know, you need to be an expert in these or need to be familiar with these. But in reality, I think most people just want a third or half of them. So if that really is the case, might as well just come right out and say that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. It just seems to kind of go on. And, and yeah, you got to, I mean, you're not going to know everything about even an avenue in this industry because there's just so much out there. So you just kind of, like you said, pick five, pick six, whatever. And then, you know, you sort of learn the rest of them along the way, you know, if you will. So I feel like that's a good one. Comes back. I think we said a few weeks ago, like, you know, look, if you don't have, if you don't check every box on the requirements, apply anyway. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sure. It's just, who cares? Just apply anyway. And, you know, some, you know, they'll take a chance on you or they won't. And that's just it. So, you know, but I wouldn't let not checking every box stop me from applying because then you'll never know like, oh, could I have made it up in some other avenue or some other skill that, you know, that they would have bent the knee a little bit on on hiring me you know, for that particular spot. So, yeah, I would never let that discourage me from applying. Now, if you're like way out of there, like if you're way out of line, I get it. But like a couple things here and there, <laughs> the heck with that apply. So are you guys telling me you don't like duties as assigned? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that catch all for you? <laughs> yeah. That means scrubbing floors? No, you're correct. I do not like that. <laughs> yeah, one of the things PlayStation did, I thought, was a decent idea. And it's something that I actually suggested at Disney, too, was when you have your very first conversation with the recruiter, you know, when your resume pass- passes the eye test anyway, the recruiter will actually reach out and give you a more specific set of skill sets that was provided by the hiring manager because mm. that's the skill sets that the manager is looking for. 
And then they just ask you to rate yourself one to 10 on all these different skill sets. Yeah. Uh, came right out and said that you can put zero or one if you have no experience. This doesn't exclude you from the job or anything like that. But that was also an interesting way to kind of prep for the interview because the way it was worded was one, you have little to no knowledge of it and rate yourself a 10 if you could write an RFC on it. I think was exactly how it's worded. So that actually helped me when I was giving interviews at PlayStation because if someone came in and maybe they have a few technologies listed on their resume, but it might be a little difficult to really gauge their comfort level. Maybe if they write, you know, said that they completely architected some technology, deduced that they're supposed to be an expert in that. But with this, if someone put a 10 on two, three technologies, I mean, get ready. Yeah, <laughs> right. Some questions for on some that, real, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I hear you. I have two more sort of kind of when you're looking over a job, and then we'll move on to the actual tips and kind of be, you know in the interview process itself. I'll take your I'll take your thoughts on this, guys. One, do you look at the tenure of if it's available to you? Do you look at the tenure of the person that had the job before you, and is it a red flag? If it's like a very short tenure, like say less than a year, like is that a red flag to say, okay, why did they leave? Or even look back to people and say, okay, look, now you have two people that left within the first year. Like there's something with this position or something with this company that just doesn't jive and it's a constant carousel. Or is that not a thing in your mind as far as if it's a good candidate? So you're saying if I'm the one that's, I'm the interviewee, Yes. And the person that had the job previously had only been with the company six months. Correct. Yeah, because like that's that. one of my questions. Like when they say, hey, do you have any questions at the end? I'll say, yeah, how long was the previous guy or gal around? And they're, oh. you know, they say yay or nay or whatever. Just a short LinkedIn search as far as, you know, from Yeah, I was going to say maybe person. some LinkedIn spying you can Yeah, that kind of thing. Like, does it make you nervous to, to know that the previous person was only there a year Less. Yeah, I guess I don't really think about it too much. One question I always ask, which is somewhat similar, is I say, why is this position open? Yeah. Because I'm curious if it is, if I am replacing someone. Yep. And then that can naturally question. turn in, turn into some questions and follow up. But a lot of the answers I get is just growth yep. or this is a new role. Hmm. I've gotten that plenty of time. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, no, it's not something that really comes to mind right away. Just to uh, understand. If I am replacing someone, mm-hmm. how long they've been around or even why they left, I guess I don't think about that too much. Right. Maybe I should. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Just something to think about or something to put on somebody's radar. And, you know, because if it's a, if it's a, if it's a rotating door, then that's, you know, that should definitely be a red flag <laughs> of some sort. Kyle, this one's for you. Do you think it's a red flag if they don't post the salary in the actual, not necessarily the salary, but maybe even the range? In the actual job posting, is that a red flag? Say, oh, you know what? If they're not upfront enough to throw a salary range at me, am I going to be doing the work of 10 people for the price of one? I mean, it's definitely a turnoff for me. Like if I'm job searching and I see like this one's at this and this one's at that and this one like doesn't have a range, I'm like, what's the deal? Skip. Yeah. You're right. Like, like I'm like, I have these three other ones that are like right up front. So I'll probably apply to something that actually has a range that I'm looking for and is kind of just up front with it. Yeah. Then have to go, you know, searching or go on the first interview to then finally be like, well, what are we talking here? Yeah. No, that's interesting. I think I usually shy away from posts that don't have at least a range. Right. Right. So Hmm. then at least you say, you, you know what you're working with. Right. So. You know, because that's that you always get this question. I've gotten this question every interview I've been on. What's your salary range? And I hate it because of that, if if you're telling the salary first, that means you're showing your cards first. And yep. that, that it's a terrible position. So yeah. I normally like the salary right in there. So then either transparent or at least semi transparent and they're semi complying with, you know, transparency laws wrapped around that, you know, but if there's no actual salary there, like if they're sort of skirting around not having the salary laws, or I should say the salary in the posting, if they're doing that in public, then what are they willing to do in private? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I feel like that's a big one. I don't know. I was giving thoughts on that. 
I think the only reason that they would be concerned about posting the salary ranges is if there's huge discrepancies already within the company. So I feel like if you're not straightforward with it, it's because you play that number game within the company. Yeah. And I think the bigger companies actually do this pretty well because you'll hear about levels. It's like Amazon, you'll see like an L3, L4, L5, level four, level five, level six. Sure. One of the questions you can ask if you know about the levels that's, I think it's a lot, I don't know, seems a gentler way than just asking what the salary is. You can just ask for confirmation on the level this role is. Okay. And yeah, because, yeah, like I said earlier, I just think it's the, any company who is, hard pressed to put that in the job description is because you'll have one guy with the same role that's making 20% less than someone else. And if they put the range in a post thing, people are immediately going to say like, well, why am I at the bottom of this range? Right. And yeah, it would be great if, you know, your level's your level. And if you do a good job at the company, you just move up another level. Just, hey, people realize, hey, I I got promoted to a level eight you know what salary band I'm in because of that, right? Yeah, that's interesting because, like, if you're a smaller team, right, and, you know, you know there's round rounds of hiring coming, right? You need help in your department, whatever it is. Like, you know that posting is going to be out there. If you're making dollar X and you're looking at this posting, you know it's for your department and they're offering 20% more, but you both have the same titles and et cetera, et cetera. I think that would cause some riff within the actual team, yeah. right? Because it's a numbers game, like you said, right? Yeah, I think that's what happens. Times are good, and you're just so short of staff because you just, you know, company's growing so quick, and you're just willing to pay more now to quick fill that role, and it's kind of hurts people that have been there. Yeah, yeah, and that, good point. It's a good point. But anything else on that home front? If not, we'll wrap it to. <laughs> the actual tips of sitting in a room and interviewing. Well, I'll just say you asked if it's a red flag. I'll say yeah. that it's actually not a red flag to me because this I'm at this point I'm so accustomed to not seeing it that I'm almost shocked when I do see it. Oh wow! Okay. And at this point, the bigger the company, and by bigger I mean like the number of employees. Yeah, I think there's enough resources online that you can get a pretty good idea of what mm-hmm. people are making for these roles. So I mean that's not as simple if you know a fifty person company that might only have one person that's ever had the same role as you. Yeah. If you go to like a meta or an Amazon and they have literally tens of thousands of L4 engineers, you can see what an L4 engineer makes. Makes right. Easily. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I was kind of, I want to throw that in there as far as some red flags that I know I've seen personally, or some of them, you know, some of the red flags that, that I like look for in a posting that can really uh, weed out a lot of your a lot of your job searches depending on if you find those red flags or not so flip the script a little bit here now let's go let's say okay you're actually in right so you got past the hr manager you're onto the hiring manager and you're in a zoom or you're in a room talking about the actual job i don't know i'll open it up to you guys first any sort of tips that are your sort of number one or two or anything that kind of leaps out at you guys to try to ease and kind of nail it. Kyle, why don't you start? Remember, he hasn't done a lot of interviews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, Alex, why don't you go first? Then I'll, I'll pick just up wing the slack here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throwing it out there. Hoping yeah. the boomerang comes back. All right. Yep. Well, I guess you already said that you're at the point where you're the hiring manager, but I think it starts a little bit before that and preparing for that. So, I just try to come in prepared. So I look at that job description as best I can and hope the job description is actually what I'm being asked to do. Yep. And I just brush up on everything that's in that job description. And I might look for if they say they're big on technology XYZ, I might just take a gander at what's the current state of that technology is there a vendor that's kind of leading the way is there something that's kind of new and different that some people are trying and uh, not only do i hope to speak intelligently about it with the assumption that the hiring manager is going to ask about it 
I can also come off as being legitimately interested in this technology, which I generally am. So I think that's important. I know a lot of jobs will ask, I don't know what the star method situation, uh, I forget what that all is. The idea is they'll kind of ask you to give them an example of something that you've done in the past that exemplifies something. So either way, I try to think of maybe four to five different situations in my careers that kind of really highlight my strengths and some of the experiences that I have. And again, this is prepping for the interview. I just, I don't want to sound like I'm coming off a script, but I know those stories well. I know why they highlight Mm -hmm. what I'm good at. And I try to make sure that those examples that I can think of, that I can speak to them right off the bat. I don't need 30 seconds to like stop and think of an example. And then I can also, I don't want to say tailored because that makes it sound like I'm lying about it, but I can also, I can focus on specific parts of these situations to answer several different questions that they may ask. Hopefully that makes sense. So I think that's all talking about just prep work prior to that interview. So maybe we should go around real quick and see if there's any other prep tips people have before we get into other things you might be able to do during the actual interview. Yeah, I would say. How about you, Pat? Anything else? Yeah, I would say, you know, more of that, you know, investigative, you know, kind of thing, knowing the company you're interviewing for, what they do, how they, obviously how they make their money, you know, things of that nature. Cause nothing is worse than going in there in, in an actual interview, actually getting one and going in there and going, uh, yeah, what do you guys do? And like you fascinated how many people actually do that. Um, you know, they just have no idea what they actually, what the company actually does. So I would say a lot of your, a lot of your work is going to come before you even step in the room from a, mm-hmm. you know, from a knowledge perspective, right? So, you know, again, know as much as you can about the company. LinkedIn is your friend, right? And we talk about this on the show all the time. If you don't have a LinkedIn account, get one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, look up the company because I think, you know, most companies now have a LinkedIn social media profile that you, know, you can kind of you can get all kinds of information off of that and then you know look at the people like who who's employed there what do they do you know possibly find your boss and his boss or their boss or whatever and kind of you know kind of make a tree if you will of, of you're going to be dealing with and interacting and whatnot and then that just helps you more when the actual interview you know comes you know that sort of thing and, and sort of coupled with that i would say know the actual job you're applying for too so what you said alex is you know, you're hoping that the description is accurate and you're actually applying for that particular job. I would, you know, know the job that you're applying for ahead of time, you know, going in, you know, that sort of thing. So it just, uh, just trying to do all that recon before you step in. And that makes it, that makes it even a little easier. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny misunderstood story real quick. I, uh, through my years of Working, I've made a few friends at our recruiters, and the one guy, recruiter friend of mine, Dan, he set me up with an interview at a local MSP here in the area, and so he thought it'd be a good fit for it, yada, yada, and this was way before COVID, so I went in, sat with, you know, three, four, five people, whatever it was, at a big, you know, big meeting table, round table, whatever you want to call it, and, like, the questions were, it was... It was good, but it were it something felt off. It was just off enough to be like, oh wow, like like I went in there expecting, okay, this is a route switch network pure networking role. But then they came off asking me like a lot of voice, QoS, things around that, you know, making policies, things of that nature. And I'm thinking that's odd to be asking that heavily questions, you know, from a route switch guy and expecting him to know voice, UCAS, all those sorts of deals. So I, you know, say, okay, thanks. You know, thanks for your time. I was there an hour plus, whatever it was. Thanks for your time, blah, blah, blah. So I go in there. So I called Dan on the way home. I said, yeah, I said, it, it went well. I thought, you know, everybody was real nice and it seems like a good fit. And I was like, it just seems odd that they asked me a lot of voice questions as a guy knowing that they were, I was coming in for more of a traditional, you know, route switch position. So yeah, that is kind of odd. So he's like, oh, let me, you know, whatever. So he goes, let me get feedback from their end and we'll see where we're at. Okay. So he calls me back to the like 
couple, like a day later, he's like, no, he goes, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what? He goes, you actually interviewed for the wrong position. And I was like, wrong position? <laughs> he's like, I'm like, what do you mean wrong position? He goes, they had two positions open, a voice position and a route switch position. And he goes, but, and he goes, I had you lined up for the route switch one, but between the time, like that waiting time of, you know, it was like a couple days or whatever by the time the thing was actually set and by the time I was ready to show up. He goes, they pulled the route switch position off the table. And so I went in there. They thought I was there for voice. And when I was originally told it was for a route switch position, I ended up not getting the position, which is fine. There was no fault of anybody. It was just a weird timing thing that like they pulled the route switch position off the table in that like window that I was, you know, kind of scheduled to show up and do it. So they thought I was there for a voice interview and I was there for a route switch one. So it's just an interesting interview story that happened a few years ago. It was, uh, yeah. So I would say, you know, know the job you're applying for or know the job you think you're applying for. (laughs) That kind of thing. But yeah, I would say most of your legwork comes before you even step in the room with the people that you're going to step in the room with. And that just, the more knowledge you have going in there, the easier it is that, that that interview has a chance of succeeding. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, I mean, for me, going back to what Alex and you were saying about preparing, you know, do your research. I mean, obviously I went from higher ed to higher ed, so that didn't really change too much. But I worked on a bunch of questions to ask because, you know, it's an interview both ways. You kind of want to make sure you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. So I worked all that out weeks prior to, to even interviewing. Once they were kind of like, all right, let's set up an interview here. Yeah, I'm interested to see like what uh, what are some good questions to bring. I'll open it up to the audience there too. Hit us up on on our socials and Twitter or email us, whatever. What are some questions that you like to ask to the company? Because that Kyle brings up a great point. It's just as much an interview for them as it is for as it is for you from a fit perspective. I think so. I always bring good questions. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. It's like. Who's your daddy and what does he do? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I always try to bring good questions and again, center them around the business, right? You know, you know, at the end of the day, we're there to work for the business and for the business to make money. So you sort of center them around, you know, how the business makes their money, you know, in, in that fashion. So again, I always try to, um, I always try to ask the question, you know, why is this position open? How long was the previous person there for? You know, what does a typical day look like? Is there on call involved? That sort of thing. So it's an interesting, I always love to bring good questions. So how about tips for during? There's a few things that I think make sense. And Kyle just mentioned that. I guess you can almost say it's prep too, but if you realize that it's a two-way street and you go into the interview with the mentality that this isn't just for the employer. It's for you. You should gain something from this. 100%. That I think you're going to have a better interview. And I think you're, you might even be more confident. It's hard to call this a tip, but it's maybe something you should work on. And if you're really serious about landing a job, it's probably not a bad idea to, I don't want to say you want to you know, stage it out with somebody because maybe that's a little excessive, but maybe you should try getting on a zoom with somebody and maybe just taking an effort to like, look at your body language and see how you present yourself. Maybe even record your having a conversation. I mean, we have a podcast so we can hear ourselves talk all the time, but I think people would be surprised if you just recorded a conversation that you had with somebody, uh, even if it's just a phone call, just listen to yourself speak for 30 minutes and maybe you'd be shocked by a lot of the ums or, it's just the I'm pauses a, that you may have. Yeah. I'm an um guy you, you, all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, there's people that are a lot worse for sure. <laughs> and I think one thing that I've noticed listening to the podcast and doing a lot of interviews with people, and one of the things that kind of turns me off for a candidate who's interviewing me is I've seen all parts of the spectrum with how they speak. So anywhere from a really soft-spoken person that's kind of tough to understand to somebody who's going 100 miles a minute and people that don't know when to stop that was one of the one of the worst interviews that i've ever i was the interviewer 
in the interview, one of the worst ones that I had, it was a candidate that just didn't know when to stop. Because there were so many other questions that I wanted to ask, but every question that I asked turned into a five-minute answer, it seemed. <laughs> I'm glad. I probably would take that over someone who's just a one-word answer. But yeah, there's a balance. And I think if people would listen to themselves speak, they'd probably realize that. I think they'd be shocked. So I guess the tip there is, if you can, that's more prep work. Maybe get an idea of how you do speak and just show up confident knowing that the interview is for you too. And that will stand out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I think sort of a couple with that as far as, you know, kind of preparing and, you know, body language and kind of knowing who you are, you know, from a camera perspective, especially in, you know, today's age of, you know, a lot of people want to work from home, right? So a lot of interviews are going to be over Zooms and, you know, things of that nature. But I would also try to let your personality shine through Sure, in that, because I think that's half the battle as far as, okay, like, yeah, this guy's really technical, but he's like a drag to be around. Yeah, that kind of, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's the other way around. Like, okay, like, okay, this guy may not be the best technical fit, but he's really fun. He's really willing to work and he's really, you know, he's got the, he's got the tech bug as most of us seem to have in this field. So, yeah. So I think, you know, we talk about it all the time, like personality counts for a lot, right? EQ is just as important as IQ mm-hmm. nowadays. So. You know, if you can let your personality come through and you get, you know, people want to go out and have a beer with you or whatever, you know, for sure. That, I think that counts for a lot, maybe sometimes even more than the technical side these days. So I would say let your personality come through, not be over aggressive or overbearing and being like, oh my God, here's another joke. But like, you know, <laughs> you got to let your don't, personality don't be afraid show. To. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we brought this up in one of the previous podcasts that we have about communication skills in general. One of the things we've mentioned was knowing your audience. So again, that's kind of a hard tip to give, but if you have that ability to know your audience, you can, if you're someone who's good at judging when someone's accepting of a joke or when someone's a little bit more, I don't want to call it stern, but you know what I mean? Someone who don't think a joke would go well. So I know (laughs) knowing the interviews, they're people too, and they want to know that they can work with you. And I yep. think that does resonate. Certainly makes you stand out. I know in my last interview with Disney, I had an interview with a guy and I could, I felt and now that I've worked with him several months, I feel like I was right. A bit more laid back guy and someone that could take a joke. And when he asked me at the end if I had any questions, I realized that he had a Denver or a Kansas City Chiefs hat yeah. on his desk. Yeah. Oh, that's sacrilegious for you. And I told him, I said, I'm a diehard Raiders fan. Is this going to be a problem? And I think, (laughs) and you could just tell like how his demeanor completely changed after that. I mean, huge smile on his face and he was ready to talk football. And I think that was something that, (laughs) yeah, let your personality shine. So that was mine. So they knew right off the get-go that I could crack a joke and I'm big Raiders. That's a big one. Yeah. No, in all honesty, right, and I think everybody on this podcast would agree that, you know, we spend a lot of time with our team and people on our team on, you know, outages, after hours, maintenance, things of that nature. And if you're all on a Zoom call and it's, you know, it's dry, it's as dry as the Sahara Desert, it's not a good time, right? So, you know, I would think you have, you know, you, you need to know, or I should say, you need to be able to, you know, trust the people around you. You know, have a little bit of rapport outside the work walls, if you will, things of that nature. You have to enjoy. I mean, you're with these people. Sometimes you're with these people more than you are with your family. So you have to enjoy the people that you're with, right? So I think the personality really does a whole lot of service for people that gel more as a team from a technical and a personality side. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think then we should probably close off with some of those good questions then, unless there's any other tips that people can think about. One of the best tips we can give you is make sure you come prepared with questions. So yeah, I guess let's hear some good let's ones. Is there any go-to ones? You already mentioned a few, Pat. Yeah. The ones those, that those are mine. You ask no matter what, right? I yeah. Mean, you can't think of a situation where you're not asking those questions. No. no. Yeah. I mean, the other one too that I sort of asked too is how long has the position been open, right? That gives you a general idea of are they scrounging for people? Has this really been open that they just haven't hit or... Is it a hot ticket? It's only been open a week and they got three candidates already, you know, that sort of thing. So that kind of gives you a 
general idea of the type of job too, depending on how long it's been open, right? So I think that's important. You know, is this a new position or is it a backfill? That's a must. You know, part of the role is it on call? You know, that sort of thing. And I think at the senior level that that we're at here, I think on call is just a given, right? You just you bake it into the job. You know, thing. Um, at least the last couple I've had, I just expect it at this point. So maybe not at you know the help desk level or like a stock. You know, things of that nature, you know, but yeah, the higher up the ladder you go, the definitely on call is definitely in play as far as for just expectation sort of thing. So yeah, I asked that one. Yeah. Th- those are the kind of the core ones that I, you know, that I come out and see, you know, what kind of reaction I get to that and, and kind of go mm-hmm. from there. Like you said, you know, depending on the reaction could spur more questions on that. I guess don't feel like you have to only ask the questions that you've come prepared for. I mean, right. Legitimately, you know, <laughs> if you have a question that came up during your hour-long interview, ask it. But one of the other core questions that I asked, I think I already mentioned it earlier, was I love asking what they like the most about the job and what they dislike the most about the job and yeah. hope that they give me honest answers. And there's a few things you can glean from that right away. So whether or not they struggle to find something they like might be a red <laughs> flag. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, man. <laughs> the checks never bounce. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Direct deposits pretty solid. It's yeah. always there. Yeah. Every two Friday, every other Friday, yeah. you count on yeah. it. <laughs> that house of mouse yeah. is working overtime, baby. Right. The trains never let me. Also, if they struggle to say something they dislike, maybe that's a good sign too. And I've asked that enough where it's pretty rare where they don't come up with something. And I've heard answers that were pretty alarming. I mean, there's, you don't want to come right out and ask what, maybe what the work-life balance is, because maybe that'll get them questioning, you know, what your commitment level is. Sure. But if you ask them what you, what they dislike the most and they come back and they say, Hey, every couple of days I'm waking up in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. Okay. So like, yeah, I've done that for a while. I'm not really interested in doing that again. So that might be good. And the other thing, if you ask them what they like, they, especially if this is, maybe the second or first interview and you have another one coming up, they might be able to, might be able to glean something from these answers too that might help you with the next question mm-hmm. or the next interview. Cause I've had situations where I've asked that question and they started talking about an upcoming project that they're really excited about. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Oh, well now I got something else that I can really look into and prep for the next interview. Not that should be the goal, but that's just something that I got out of just asking that one question. And that's also another question I just come right and ask sometimes is sometimes they can't always say it, but I'll ask them, what projects are we working on? Like, what's the big initiative in the next X months, year? And I can tell you a lot. If they have no idea, that should probably be a red flag, especially if it's a hiring manager, because that gives you an idea of why you're being hired. Because, hey, we're being hired because we have this awesome project that's coming up and this is what we're going to do. You can find out whether or not that's a project you're interested in at all. If you find out they're doing some huge voice rollout and you're a route switch guy, maybe that's a red flag. Right. That's something I really want to be doing. And see if there's anything else that I ask all the time. I do try to, as I'm going through the interview process, try to think of questions along the way that kind of tailor it to the, the interviewer. But I think that was in addition to the ones you've already mentioned, those are probably the three that I ask as well. Yeah, I think those are the core ones, the good solid ones. Go from there. Maybe this is a little less important one now in the age of COVID, depending on if you're remote or not. You know, like what's the dress code like, right? Is it casual? Is it business <laughs> casual? That kind of thing. If you're in an office, that matters, right? That kind of thing. If you're at home, it matter. It doesn't matter or less, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, just something to keep in mind. Kyle, anything from, from you as far as question that you asked? I just kind of came in with like the, like, what is my day-to-day going to look like? Yep. You know, like what's the standard kind of, you know, vanilla, I guess, that I could expect, you know, when I go in, you know, it's outside the fires and whatnot. You hope you don't hear drinking through a fire hose. Right. right. <laughs> I had asked about the team that I would be working with too, which they seem to really take a liking to, you know, they're like, this is it. This is the team. Like, you're being interviewed by the team, basically. Right. And I was like, right. oh, cool. All right. Yeah. You know, you know, I'd asked about remote work or telecommuting, whatever you want to call it, kind of deal like that. And they're like, eh. right now we're just kind of doing an on-prem thing, you know? So I was like, okay, that's fair enough. And then my other one that I was kind of 
you know, trying to figure out is too, is like, how do the problems actually get escalated? Like, where do they start yeah. before they even get to me? And how does that escalation process work? Or, you know, do people just hit me up left and right? And they're like, this is broken. That's on fire. You know, like, so there. Yeah, so uh, yeah, just some basic things to just try and get some groundwork to like, what yeah. am I stepping into? Is Good it going to be like a crazy nightmare or is it going to be like kind of structured well? Right, right. And those are all, cool. those are all real good questions. And I think that's a good place to wrap up. And Kyle or Alex, anything else you want to add before we tie this one up with a bow? No, uh, maybe to the, ask another ask for the audience. Yeah. Really, we're, we're not writing books on interviews and landing these big jobs. We're just giving our experience, but I'm curious if anyone else has anything they want to add. Yeah, for so sure. Hopefully they'll hit us up on our social media accounts and let us know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hit us up. You got any horror stories for good or bad uh, interview processes or questions you like to ask or staples that you have when you know prepare for an interview? More, you know, even as an interviewee or an interviewer, we'll take them all. Hit us up on our socials: Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Email us, whatever. We we always welcome the interaction with, with you folks. That being said, we're gonna wrap this one up. First one in a month for us. We are yeah. on the old saddle. So we uh, things rolling here and got some really good topics coming up and some guests as well as just trying to get people in a room is hard depending on the schedule and the day. So we're really trying to get some guests on here that just working on some schedules. So bear with us as we kind of make it through. But um, thanks again for joining us this week on Breaking Out of Bites. Make sure you visit our website, breakingbitespod.io. You can subscribe to the show. There's a bunch of links to all the platforms there, your platform of choice. All the episodes are there as well. You can go there and hang out if you wish, or if you just need an RSS feed, that's there as well, just so you never miss a show. If you throw us a rating on iTunes, so that'd be great. We we have gained some ratings on iTunes. We're all five stars, so we basically made it to the big mm-hmm. That's basically it. So yeah, keep those reviews coming as well. We gained a review or two as well, so we thank everybody that takes the time and throws us a review so nice to hang on the itunes charts and get more eyeballs so that would be awesome if you throw us a rating simply tell a friend too right so kind of a bunch of people that said hey i heard this from so and so so word of mouth seems to be working good as well so follow us on twitter instagram facebook we have a discord server out there the invites in the show notes linkedin is a good one that's really doing well for us as well to really gain some speed there so all of our social links are in the show notes so go there and Come hang out with us on your platform of choice. Guys, it's been awesome. It's really good to catch up, get back on the mic, and do some cool things here in the new year. And appreciate you joining. And we'll see everybody next week. So long.